retro anime. How did we find it? How does it hold up? Unpacking the ins and outs of being an old school nerd, and proving that 80s kids can't remember a damn thing right. These are the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd. Welcome to Mindless Midlife Musings of the Anime Nerd. I'm Rick, and I'm joined by the rest of our panel, Annette, Brian, and Vic, with our special returning guest, Andrea. How's it going, everyone? How's it going? What up? All is well. Well, in this episode, we take a trip into a world of imagination and wonder. With furry beasts, spirits of soot, and a big fucking cat. Uh, Today, we're talking my neighbor, Totoro. I'm sorry. Okay. The way you started <laughs> off, it could have been a, a hentai episode, but it could have been. It, I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, like as as hard as we've gone, right? Like we've watched a lot of anime on this show, and as many episodes as we've done, this is the most antithetical to the themes of anime we've been watching since we started the show. <laughs> So I figured I, I'm, I'm gonna lay lay down the groundwork to keep the tone, but the reality is we're going in a very different direction today. <laughs> uh, My neighbor Totoro is a 1988 Japanese animated fantasy film written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki and animated by Studio Ghibli for Tokuma Shoten. Uh, the film tells the story of a professor's two young daughters, Satsuki and Mei and their interactions with friendly wood spirits in post-war rural Japan. So in 1989, uh, Streamline Pictures, pretty much the only game and dubbing back then, uh, produced an, in- an English-language dub for uh, use on uh, flights uh, from Japan Airlines. And uh, Troma Films, of all companies, wow, <laughs> distributed the dub, uh, which is pretty Wait. wild. <laughs> the same like the Toxic Avenger and Kabuki Cop and all those weird movies. You can thank Toxic Avenger for my neighbor Totoro making it to the states. That's there you go. wait a minute. This this whole episode is just going to be off the fucking rails. <laughs> this whole episode. They Nothing. were the yeah, they were the original distributors, and so then uh, Fox picked up rights to that dub. They released it theatrically and on, on VHS and Laserdisc in 1993, and later on, on DVD in like 2002. But the film was re-released by Walt Disney in 2006 with an all-new dub with a whole new cast, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Circling back to 1989 when the film came out, this was Ghibli's technically third movie, technically, but it was, I mean, officially on paper, I think it's only their second because Nausicaa didn't count. It wasn't technically a Ghibli film, but then there was Castle in the Sky, and then there was this one. But this one was made in conjunction with uh, Grave of the Fireflies. They both came out <laughs> same what? time. They were released as a double what? feature. We, we promised never to bring up that one again, ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now picture, it's 1989, 88. You're taking your kids to go to the movies, and you're like, oh, look. Look, son, here in Tokyo, this theater, a double billing, two films, My Neighbor Totoro and Grave of the Fireflies. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) 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 
my god. It's like you'd have to watch Totoro afterwards to get over the depression from Grave of the Fireflies. I, I feel like that's yeah, and I think I, I wanna I wanna have faith. <laughs> that's how they did it. <laughs> they made you watch Fireflies first, and then you got Totoro. Um, <laughs> so this is a film that is uh, sort of notorious, right? It's more famous. It is is one of those films that's so famous that there are so many people that have never even watched it, but still know the characters from it, like that kind of famous. I I know that I picked this up in at blockbuster i rented it from blockbuster video in the early 90s and it was it was one of those fox releases and they were trying to do the, the disney thing they released it in one of those stupid giant white clamshells one of the ones the ones that facebook claims you could be rich if you owned or it's complete bullshit and you can't even yeah. give them away um <laughs> those things and uh i picked it up because the cover art looked like the character work in Nausicaa because of the obviously right but at the time I didn't know that I was just like oh this looks this looks like anime I picked it up and I brought it home and and yeah say that it is say that it is dramatically different uh material than Nausicaa would be a, an understatement as far as tone goes uh this is grave of fireflies <laughs> I feel like we have to talk about who this movie's for. And you can't just say it's for kids because that, that nullifies, that, that just that dismisses a lot. But it is, it is definitely, it was definitely created with children in mind versus Grave of the Fireflies. Um, but it was, it, it was, I would say, it's probably the closest thing Ghibli's ever done to Disney. Wherein they're telling a story was you know with children in mind but would appeal to a broader audience kind of thing he said what if anime was done with winnie the pooh <laughs> I, I i please expand no it, it gave me huge winnie the pooh uh imaginary friend type vibe you know gotcha. i guess the only thing different would have been the real world consequences if the friends did not act Accordingly, you know, <laughs> uh, right? Totoro, uh, I need you to help me find May. I don't know what the fuck you talk about. <laughs> now we're talking Grave of the Fireflies. Um, this, yeah. So this film is, it's, it, I, I see what you're saying there. It, it does hold there's some of that in here, right? There's some of that. Is it? Isn't it? Kind of real. Um, it's this it, definitely. Sorry, I'm trying to like whittle this down to sound bites, even though I know we've got an hour to talk about it. But it really, it, what this film kind of does is is capture that that essence of childlike innocence perfectly. It, it's experiencing the world through a child's wonder. And that's kind of how I feel about the movie. It's, when I watch it, that's how I experience the movie. Uh, which again is a dramatic change of pace for us, since we're usually used to talking about cyborgs and demons and stuff. But you know, hey. <laughs> it even treated it with the border of prepubescent that that level of I'm a kid, but I'm about to become a teenager. You know, yeah, yeah. This um, is, it, it it felt it felt a lot like uh, Sasuke. Sasuke, huh? Sasuke, the older sister. I'm gonna say Sasuke Ui. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. 
<laughs> You'll get it down like one day, Brian. Perfect, perfect translation. Nailed it. <laughs> and the <laughs> Right. All right. Hey, you know what? Andrea brings up a good point. Let's start with this. So, all right. This is a film that has a fuck ton of mindless midlife musings. Right? There are so many rabbit holes you can go down with this film like just the amount sheer amount of information that is you know pertains to this world that isn't in the film is immense and i'm not talking about like manga or or a series spinoff or any of that there's none of that it's just so much conceptual world building went into this that didn't even make it into the movie so we found just fuck ton of information about this one of the things that i never found out was that totoro isn't even the motherfucker's name <laughs> just what she called him mm-hmm. that was fun for me um apparently she couldn't pronounce well well so apparently it's supposed to be totoro which is supposed to mean troll and she gets it from a little kid's book that she's reading and so she tells Sasuke that she met a Totoro. And she's like, you mean a Totoro? Like from your from your books? And she's like, no, his name is Totoro. And allegedly that's how he got his name, his true name. But in the movie, you just see it as him saying, you know, Totoro. And she's like, Totoro? He's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, let's go Yeah, why not? why not? Yeah, know- sure. yeah <laughs> knowing that and watching the movie... You can sort of see like a oh for fuck's sake fine I'm Totoro whatever like there's this this his temperament does he trying to sleep his temperament changes dramatically when you know this fact like she's looking at her like oh for God yeah whatever I'm Totoro that's fine I don't care you grabbed my tail I tried to shake you off you climbed on top of me and now you're scratching my nose I just want to sleep sure my name is Totoro (laughs) it's an almost dismissive nature to this wonderful creature. Just imagine if she would have fell into his mouth when he was yawning. Like there were so many opportunities for this to become great with the fire flies. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many, so many segues that, that could happen with, you know. Well, I, I have up, to say, I'm going to climb up a tree. <laughs> Camper tree, a big fucking tree. Um, <laughs> what were you going to say, Lynette? say that if if he did it from like an american perspective like that's how i looked at it there's a scene where you see like this big claw foot under an umbrella and then you see a big claw hand under an umbrella and i'm like if this was in the u.s the kids would have run or died <laughs> in, right there. or died or been you, eaten yeah. and then, but in this one the kid looks up and goes that leaf isn't gonna help you and gives it an umbrella. <laughs> there is, he never gave back. He there never is, gave back. <laughs> yeah, there so is there is a, a horror movie cut of this that could be made, I'm sure. Like, if you wanted to do a horror trailer, of it could be done. Uh, I do have to say, I want a cat bus in my life. That That's that's a necessity. I think I need a cat bus. There's one located in Mitaka in Japan. <laughs> I'm thinking, I was, I've, I've always been looking for the things I could cosplay as. And I'm thinking I'm big enough to do the cat bus safely. I'm I'm eating my way into a Totoro cosplay. I'm just going for <laughs> <laughs> just going for round as humanly possible, and then 
and then just, we can match. Just not gonna shave, and I'll be fine. Do <laughs> you say you're gonna run around naked all day? No. <laughs> I think we're gonna experience problems when we get to the actual uh, convention, and people are keep on trying to climb on top of you. Could I don't be think. Deb- yeah, I don't think Debbie's gonna like that. <laughs> <laughs> So the original concept of My Neighbor Totoro, don't know if anyone knows, another mindless musing, is that originally Miyazaki wanted the story to be about humans versus the Totoro species because humans were actually trying to annihilate them. Yeah, you didn't know that, down to Jujutsu. That was the original concept, but when Miyazaki finally sat down to actually start writing a full story, he couldn't, he didn't have inspiration. He couldn't come up with anything. So that's when he changed the whole thing. Sounds awesome. <laughs> Right there is an ori- there is an original concept like photo out there, and it's. One I mean, girl, consi- it's considering I also saw the uh, the the short with the cat buses at the yeah. Ghibli Museum, I I could picture that because in that short there was like hundreds upon hundreds of cat buses just running along in the air. Those aren't cat. You buses. imagine those things dropping off Totoro's to fight? Yeah, I said that's not cat buses. Those are drop ships. Yep. <laughs> just unload soldiers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we dropping, boys? <laughs> he may not be able to do it, but we can do it just fine. <laughs> can you imagine cat buses with Totoro's just running along, playing along with uh, what you call it, Fortunate Son? Oh my God! I need that. I need that in my Instead life. Instead of an orbital beam cannon, is the orbital acorn cannon? <laughs> Aerial acorn launchers. So there's like a. Uh... What's that? Pom- Pompaco, where like the Pompaco, animals yeah. sort of uprise against the you know the humans. So I mean, yeah, it, it kind of feels like he was able to take that idea in a different way. Yeah, exactly. Fascinating. It shows in different ways, but that was the original idea, and it didn't last very long. But he did one concept art for it. And then when he sat down to actually write the story, couldn't come up with anything. There you go. We have writer's block to thank for this child-friendly version. <laughs> I think it pulled it off. This would have been a completely different show. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, without a doubt. Uh, to say this this movie is influential would be an understatement. It it is uh it has hold on. Damn it. What? Now that I think about it, he did pull it off. It's called Nausicaa. <laughs> 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 he did do yeah. it. <laughs> that's that's what it was. Yeah, I already did this. Oh, God's sake! Oh, it's a, this is actually a three-parter. This is butterflies. <laughs> then Nausicaa, or this is, or we could go with this one. There you go. I, Precisely. I so unabashedly, I, I fell in love with this movie. Just was at the right age and the fandom of of animation and all that. That when this dropped, it was it was perfect. It was right in my wheelhouse. But what I thought was very interesting, and I wrote a note about here, this entire movie was done by eight animators. So uh, for reference, just watch the end credits of a single Disney movie. Go ahead, I'll wait. And then come back. And then remember, eight animators worked on this movie. Yep. And they did it in eight months. And a lot of that animation was super fluid. They're also working on Grave of the Fireflies at the same time. By far, some of the best animation I've ever seen. There is so much, and like Andrea said, and simultaneously working on Grave of the Fireflies. So there is so much fantastic animation in this movie. There's so many great animator moments in this. 
great little character uh, expressions and and body language and things that we totally take for granted. That completely... Well, just how fluid uh, Sasuke and Mei would always run. It's like the running animations are so fluid, it's insane. They, they, it brings you into the world, right? It really just envelops you. And you're, uh, for me, I, I've, it's like regressing to childhood and you're exploring this world through their eyes. It's really something how, how abs- it absorbs you, this film. It's very interesting in its choice of, in many of the choices it made. Obviously, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Shinto uh, based spiritualism in this and the way that Totoro was basically a kami. Uh, which I love. I love all that. That's so cool. I love that they decided to set this in sort of 1950s-ish Japan. That was really clever of them. Uh, just because it, it it's, it's a time when wonder is a little more prevalent. Like, as soon as we got internet and television, everything went downhill. Yeah, imagination died then. <laughs> I, I think the word you're looking for is necessary. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> necessary. No, no. Wonder... Like we live, this is post-war Japan. Yeah, you know, and they yeah. have seen some of the biggest atrocities ever known to man. You know, they needed to find a way to believe in just the goodness of 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 human spirit. Yeah, yeah, I I I agree with you. I think this is yeah. again, it's all part of that world building. If they would have set this in the eighties, it wouldn't have been as effective. Like it just, I don't know, everything about it just. Brilliant ideas. Um, <clears throat> the film is uh, composed by uh, Joe Hisaishi, who is basically a god. Um, the one person composed it, and he wrote it in 30 minutes. That's right. <laughs> in a bathroom. Uh, <laughs> While having lunch. <laughs> and the only thing he had was a musical triangle. Uh, and a is, yeah, but now he's, he's worked on so much. Uh, right. He's done... Basically oh, every Ghibli film almost that's that's ever come out. So it, it, he's he started with Nausicaa with with uh, Miyazaki and he just kind of like went from there, doing basically fucking every soundtrack. We really need to find out what uh, order it came. I I, I think we need uh Vic- Yeah, we need- <laughs> you need the answer. Yeah, because you're trying, to, you're trying to know if they're setting them up to kill themselves <laughs> or setting them up to give them hope. <laughs> Man, can I say, I while he's looking that up, I think the detail there's so many little nuances that even I, who is nowhere has near has the eye, like for instance, one of the things that that was really awesome was that when they go to the when they show the bridge for the first time, right, and they're looking down into the water. They actually put like a bottle in the water. And I was like, man, that is such a human thing to do. You know? Yeah. This wonderful yeah. river water. We're gonna put a bottle in there just to let you know. We have the potential to fuck this shit up. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, it it's one of the things that sets uh, Ghibli apart from other anime. From other animated films, period. Uh, pick your continent. It's that their their world building is is second to none. Where everything looks lived in and used, and both aged and new, and just everything about their films is is meticulously thought out. And like you said, the fact that they threw a bottle in the river, easy for any animator to just overlook that idea entirely. Somebody on staff was like, 
to look more lived in. This should have that. And it's, it goes to the whole fucking thing. The house, the house itself is the rotted wood. Oh my God. Amazing. (laughs) So much so that they recreated it as a tourist attraction in Japan. You can visit their house. It's rotted wood and all. Like <laughs> down the, the the posts are rotted away. Like every amazing. When you're looking at they I can honestly say after seeing three oh I'm gonna go ahead and go ahead and say this is my first time watching Totoro. Bravo. Welcome, welcome. Right. But after experiencing three films from Ghibli, I can honestly say that the same way we revere uh, some of the artists, like the, the guy who did uh, Maddox One, and we were geeking over the fact that he did the the, the, the technical overlays, or yeah. we're looking at Gunbuster or anything mech design, and we're talking about the amount of details that they put in there. The same could be said with Ghibli and their devotion to just fucking nature. Yeah. It, it's astounding, and I can honestly say Damn, do I need to wait to give you my final thoughts? Should I? You should I... you, you yes. said it eloquently. I my note is not that eloquent at all. I just said I love the environments so much, and it's <laughs> it, because I knew that would be a, a jumping off point for me. Yeah, man, I fucking love the environments in this movie. Everything from the dad's desk, it's like papers and books scattered everywhere. To like, you like, know, he just moved in, and he's like, you know, we're gonna fuck this whole shit up. <laughs> <laughs> To, I mean, all of it. The the tile work in their bathroom, how some of the tile are cracked, and some of the like, just that kind of commitment to to world building is is why they're considered the greats. It, it's it's so much. Bad. I actually felt like um, I was experiencing what rural life in Japan would be like, you know. Like the whole, it's a rice planting day, so there's no school. So instead of a teacher work day, it's actually a student work day. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I, it made me want to move to rural Japan. So <laughs> wait, too far, too far. Um, <laughs> well, luckily, the rain was a little too goal. offensive for me. <laughs> his goal was to bring bits and pieces of all over Japan that he had seen and draw it and create kind of like his own little world to show you every, like every image and picture in the, and the landscape and everything is bits that he's seen all over Japan, just mixing them all together of his favorite parts. So it's a, it's a fucking tourist video. Yeah. It's tourist. It's video. a tourism video. Yeah, so there you go. Also, <laughs> I have your answer. Oh, we have the answer have on the billing on the billing. So yes, I've seen a few too. Yeah. Uh, allegedly, my neighbor Totoro was first, and then they showed Grave of the Fireflies, and apparently that was so bad. Some it was such a bad decision because everyone took off. <laughs> no, they were unable to finish Grave of the Fireflies. Oh my god! Yeah, that's what I just saw. No, no, no. <laughs> so eventually, they did they did swap them, but you know, it it didn't do as well. <laughs> oh, that hurt them. Oh, no. that was a bad move. It made you happy, and then they just killed all happiness. Just <laughs> <laughs> in the theater, all, all happy, and then you know, you know, you're 
six-year-old next to you is now crying at, you know, Grave of the Fireflies, and now your entire week is ruined. And, and now they're petrified of little candy tins, because they think they're... <laughs> I like it matters. Our company's going out of business soon. <laughs> so there's this uh, is this interesting story about kind of how Nausicaa, or, or more specifically, how Warriors of the Wind was fucked so badly that this almost didn't get a U.S. release, and how they fought to make sure that nothing was cut or changed about this movie when it came out because Warriors of the Wind had been so butchered. Because of that, I appreciate that. I love that they did that because it means that the version I saw, the streamlined dub back in early 90s, was the whole movie. And I never had to worry about not seeing a full version of it. But also, I appreciated it because there were things about it that represent Japanese culture and stuff that were new to me. Uh, as a young, as a, or, you know, early teens or mid-teens, whatever. Yeah, let's go early teens. Um, it was a was so interesting to see a lot of the, the the shintoism in there and and sort of the cultural things about japan communal bathing families bathing together that's the thing that's like what the fuck are you doing dude yeah that gets you sent straight to jail here <laughs> right perfectly normal perfectly acceptable in japanese culture for, for that to happen and then you watch it over here and you're like um um is anybody gonna call cps <laughs> so CPS has been called for less. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> right. And uh you know, sort of that, just the the like like you said, Andrea, sort of the the all the bits and pieces of, of rural Japan that made up this tapestry of, of tourism here. Uh but like the, like you mentioned, Brian, that the people work in the rice fields and, and and the way school was structured and like all these little slice of life moments that were sort of really great way for a westerner like myself to get a peek at what life was like i i loved that so much and i'm grateful that warriors of the wind got so fucked <laughs> that they made sure this one came over in its com you know complete uh format so fun little musing there mm -hmm. it, it, it something has to be said between get out of your own way and Everything, my friend. We mentioned our last conversation when we were talking about uh, how true um, uh, Alita was to the source material. Right. The same thing could be said right now in regards to how true uh, Totoro was to Japanese culture. Yeah. Yeah. It. it... Ghibli has made a lot of those sort of slice of life films. It, it's done like only yesterday. It's done like uh, when Marnie was there. Yeah, when Marnie was there. Um, Another so one. Many. Oh, uh, Ocean Waves. Yeah, so they, they do a lot of these sort of slice of life movies. And this is that injected with some of that Winnie the Pooh fantasy Brian was talking about. And I think that that's what made this so successful. So like a lot of Ghibli's other films that are these slice of life movies, like uh, from up on Poppy Hill and things like that, they never saw the notoriety that Totoro did. So it's like they took the idea of this slice of life, living these two girls coming to terms with a sick mother, et cetera, et cetera. And then they injected it with this whimsy of fantasy and it made all the difference in the world. Slice of life, particularly my neighbor Totoro, was actually inspired by Miyazaki's childhood. 
because his mother was um, diagnosed with tuberculosis uh, and she was in and out of hospitals for like nine years when him and his little brother were done. In fact, he even said himself that if he made the characters, the children, boys, he wouldn't have been able to make it because it hit way too close to home for him. And that's, that's it, isn't it? That's, that's it. it. All right. That was my question. The question is, what was the mother sick with? What, like, was, what was the her mother sickness? sick with? And technically in the movie, they never say. They leave it very ambiguous. She's just ill. But knowing that his biological mother, Miyazaki's, was uh, diagnosed with spinal tuberculosis. Ooh. Yeah, very, really bad. Um, that's kind of the assumption. And he also says that he loosely based it on his childhood and so much. And even May is modeled after his granddaughter. Can I say that um niece, I apologize, not granddaughter. All right. Niece. Can I say <laughs> I enjoyed the fact that I didn't have to deal with the tragedy. Oh yeah. <laughs> it could have okay. gone, it could have gone the other way. If they yeah. hadn't included that two or three shots during the post the, the credits, it could have been a very different tale. Like that those couple of illustrations in the end credits really brought it back around for me. <laughs> uh it was it was yeah. Without a doubt, uh, brought brevity to the end. I'm like, oh, she made it home. And then you're like crying, like, she made it home. <laughs> <laughs> she did sleep in her bed. <laughs> <laughs> Which, just fortunately enough, happened with Miyazaki. His mom. Oh, well, that's, see, you're just bringing all the good news today. For the yeah. double billing thing, that yeah. shit's horrible. <laughs> I bring the truth. I bring the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of the uh, I, we're gonna we're jumping around a lot. I wrote a lot of notes down, but I, I kind of wanted to jump a little bit about one of the things that that makes this movie really, really great, in my opinion, isn't even Totoro or or any of the other fantasy characters like Catbus. It's simply how well they wrote the kids. May is so equivocally a four year old girl that it is is alarmingly accurate to watch <laughs> not only uh, that but sasuke yeah sasuke. sasuke that's just how they say it we'll get eventually it's not suke <laughs> well, sasuke yeah. um so i've been watching a lot of uh master chef junior and she has a lot of the same energy that you see in these eight year eight to twelve year olds as well. You know, yeah. whatever they're doing, there's a level of excellence that they're all trying to achieve. You know, I, I thought that Sachimo was so so good. Like I actually had a note that May when I compared the two the two girls, yeah. May is a childhood equivalent of fuck what you heard. I'm all about it. <laughs> and and Satchmo, she went on to win all the track and field events in the 1992 Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> she was running her ass off. That's her little sister, bro. The Catalan. All them bitches she was winning. <laughs> yeah, when she made it to that one couple on that little... uh whatever that thing was with the three wheels. They're like, when they asked where she's from, they're like, she was like, yeah, from Egruto. She, They're like, Jesus Christ, that's like forever that way. 
She's like, you yeah, know, just the cardio. looks on their face. It's like she ran all that. <laughs> Trying to get some cardio in. She's it, was, it wasn't even stopping for like breath, or you didn't see her walk. No, nah, she was booking. She's running like 75 miles an hour. And some dude's like, hey, did you find her? And we were like, nah, bitch, I'm just running to burn carbs. Like, <laughs> 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 got the idea to go running. Took off in a straight line. <laughs> she would just like curve out to the direction that she wanted to go and I thought it was such a wonderful highlight of how running occurs it doesn't Absolutely. you know especially when you're doing that whole picking up speed it's not a straight line you're going over there you are using the centrifugal force of the earth to bend you out you are kind of all over the place. No, there's. It, I I agree with you. That's that's so natural that it's easy to overlook. So I'm glad you noticed it. I really am because those kinds of things are are those moments where it's it's what turns just the art form into a work of art. Animation in and of itself is is a it's a simple process. Like a shit ton of drawings, you know, sequentially order them make movement, make the illusion of movement. But to, to make it an illusion of life, to make it an illusion of reality, that's where the magic happens. This movie does that in spades. There's this moment where Satsuki is standing there at the well and Granny's next to her and she's like, oh, we're going to find him. And you, you watch, it's so subtle and it's so good. You watch this girl, this nine-year-old girl, Go from confidence to heartbreak to destroyed in a matter of seconds. It's so good, so powerful, and I just respect to that. That's hard to do, and and it's so it's every every anime nerd out there aspires to draw. Like, this movie's a masterclass on it. Uh, it's I can love this movie. It's too early for my final thoughts because. <laughs> my, my favorite scene was the raindrops. Oh. Yeah, just to, just to hear the little raindrops, and then seeing the animation of Totoro's eyes—he's just like all getting excited, and then he just goes and he jumps and boom! And I was like, "This is the best." I, I had to rewind it and watch so, it again because it was just dis- like, yeah. <laughs> full disclosure: I have shaked the tree to hear the sound of the raindrops on my umbrella. I, I have done this. I've sure. done it as a child. Absolutely done this. It's, it's the greatest sound in the world. It's the original ASMR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's so soothing. It's weird. When he does it, I'm like, oh, I get you, motherfucker. I get you. <laughs> like you hear it's like pink pink. And then he hears more pink pink. And then he's like, I need more. And he just <laughs> like, I'm gonna get all the drops. <laughs> Gets the tingles everywhere. <laughs> yeah, he's like his ears all perk up. <laughs> like, like this is the best scene ever. Rewind, rewind. <laughs> it's actually the scene I have painted on a. You're right. On, in, my on wall. our studio here, <laughs> the uh, the the scenes with. So when I was younger and I watched this uh, originally, I hated May. They annoyed the shit out of me. You weren't here yet. I was just about to say, <laughs> um, is, so... is May code? <laughs> No, you weren't. You weren't here yet. I can understand. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but if, or if you were here, you were not you were not maying around. Um, <laughs> let's, let's let's hear more of the wonderful dynamic between you two. What else, what else was going on? I well, I, I, I hated May. I just oh my god, she's so annoying. Who the hell would put up with this? Now I watch it, having had a child and and having had you know a kid sister that grew up with it. Every time we watched it afterwards, I loved her because she was so genuinely authentic like she was so that's a great word that's a great word authentic she was willing to stare down a crack in a wall for a dust bunny i mean that's oh my god she poked a hole in the wall and that girl (laughs) caught a dust bunny i I even wrote the note i said may and catch a dust bunny she fucking obliterated it yeah she (laughs) yeah first she goes (laughs) and then she went (laughs) So she couldn't cup her hands because you know she's right. four. Oh no! She's like I'm gonna catch it. And it's like oh, there's guts all over my hand. And she's—it's such a great scene where she's running and she sees Granny and she's like, oh shit! And she like backs up and like I'm gonna go around and she like to avoid the woman, the, the stranger. Like she's, I'm go around and get, still get to her sister and have his, with her hands clasped the entire. It's so good. It's so fucking good. I love this movie. And that's <laughs> it. I love Granny. It's great, Granny. Right, so, so here's the thing about you know, Ryan has a Granny fetish. <laughs> them, gra- them Granny girls said, them- Brian, Brian, please explain please. what's so great about Granny. I want to hear this. Oh no, no, we're going down a whole different mindless musings right no, now. No, I to- think we can. <laughs> no, no, I try to keep it wholesome. This motherfucker decided want to choose violence. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> We're talking about grandma draws. We're talking about bloomers and the things it does to us. You did this. Can we not? Can we just? It's family friendly, y'all. Family Can we friendly? just circle back? No, 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 no. Fucking grandma does it for me. I hope. You know, you know, she doesn't have no wooden nipples, but she does have a wooden wood. And she's an excellent character brian yes i really appreciate her character i andrea says there's andrea says there's a story about granny that there's there's some actual like meat to the story here it's a so before before you do that before you do that let me please tell us please i I don't know if i want to circle back (laughs) i feel like we're i was getting this train out of the station his original thought was family (laughs) friends but scary we were leaving. We were good. So, Granny, I love the first thing I did is I loved about her was she did not try to make her feel stupid for seeing the Dust Bunny. Yeah. That was the yeah. first thing I loved about her. She was so supportive in, in all of the fantastical ideas that, that either of the girls had. You know, like, yes, I used to be able to see them, too. Now you can see them. You know, she never made them feel stupid about that. And I right. thought that... It's like all the parents were that way, too. Yeah. Yeah. Never dismissive of the magic, which is such an easy thing to do. Like, all right, co- let's compare it real quick. It's like Never Ending Story. Everybody remembers that movie, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's how... And the song just entered my head. Thanks. There you go. That's what I do. So it's... Granny how... looking pretty sexy now, huh? <laughs> how easy it is 
to dismiss this, you know, these beliefs. You, you, you think you've seen something or you, you, you know you've seen something. And everybody's just like, dude, it's just a book. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> like, it would have been so easy. And, to a, and a Western parent would have fucked that shit up straight out, right out the gate. The man like, oh, you did not see a dust bunny. What the hell? Get out of here. And it made it feel like it was generational, you know? Yeah. It made it feel like this is something, yes, I have seen these as well. If anything, it felt more like a, a Native American totem as opposed to just something that could have been easily dismissed. I, I have so much respect for her over that. Another thing that I loved about Granny was when she's rip breaking the corn. Mm-hmm. Right? She just snaps the stalk like a fucking G. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But again, that's something she has. You, you could tell her hands would have been calloused. Oh, yeah. You know? And and I love that. She had the tenderness, but when it came to working the land, she was like, I'm about that life as well. Oh, hell yeah. She was out in those yeah, rice Just because fields. she's 300 years old doesn't mean she can't snap corn. <laughs> Dude, she was. Yeah, no, she's a great character. And and there's uh, like I said, Andrea's got some some meat to that story. What's well, actually, it's it's really great that you actually mentioned it, Brian, because that's kind of like basically there's an untold visual story for Granny mostly. So the lore for Dust Bunny specifically is that they inhabit vacant houses, and then it's like um uh the the grandson granny's grandson he's like you're living in a haunted house like all these little cues in the way that the house looks it's actually because uh during that time the house you see that there's a sunroom sunrooms were only added to houses back then when there was a family member that was ill and needed to be taken care of or was in and out of the hospital so the story the visual story that's told is that someone did live in that house and they were ill they passed away that's why the house was vacant for so long that's why the dust bunnies moved in and it's theorized that granny came over so early to talk to him and that even the father says at one point he mentions like oh granny knows you know about the house or something the reason why she doesn't question the soot sprites or anything like that or the dust bunnies as they're supposed to be called all that fun stuff is because she helped to take care of the person that used to live there that's why they don't question them is because they know that they did move in because the house has been empty for so long they they believe in all these spirits and all that because they've experienced the death of someone in their house already and that's why the house is rotted and wooden and stuff like that and that's why the dad is so eager and excited to have granny help out with the girls is because granny has lived through this so that's why she's so tender and nice to them and doesn't dismiss them and stuff because she already knows the pain they're going through so that's the story about granny and these motherfuckers decided to release yeah <laughs> Yep. Ray with a fireflies after this. <laughs> yeah, so the grandson knew that someone had passed away in there. That's why he believed the house was haunted. Not because of the dust bunnies. The dust bunnies are just something that happens. They live in vacant houses and stuff like spiders and everything else. He believed the house was haunted because someone had passed there. And Granny is the one that helped to take care of them. So this is um I love that. <laughs> and and what I what I love about that makes me mad as well, which is that I feel like they could have made this movie three hours long. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, the movie was actually way shorter. 
movie was supposed to only be, uh, I think, a 70-minute movie or 60-minute movie. And when they decided to do Grave of the Fireflies at the same time, Grave of the Fireflies got an extension on their movie. And so then Miyazaki went and was like, yo, uh, can we make my movie a little bit longer? Like, I, I have more information to give them. And at first they said no, but when he originally, the story was going to have one daughter and she was going to be about 12. When he split it to two girls, he's like, well, I have so many characters now. I need to give them more meat on their bones because I need to explain the dynamics between the sisters. And they approved that. So the movie originally well, we was even dying to of malnutrition. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. So originally the movie was even supposed to be shorter, which means we would have got less. See, I it's this there's so much lore and backstory to this movie. This is one of those rare anime where there's so much more material oh, yeah. than what you know we we were given. And that's it's rare. I mean, usually like with Disney, you get access to conceptual art of a project or things like that. And the same is true for this story, but there's so much there that could have been a whole other hour. Oh yeah, that's why there's so much stuff for this. There's you know documentaries and stuff. After experiencing both Grave and and uh, and Totoro, I can say now it is actually I don't want to use the word raise the bar for what I'm expecting from Studio Ghibli. But I can say that they are masters of the emotions they want you of, of making sure that the emotions that you they want you to feel. Oh, by the end of the movie, you're going to feel this one. If you want to kill yourself, go ahead and watch Grey with the Fireflies. Wonderment. Totoro's your jam. Yeah, you know, I I love that. I love that, and I I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's. I could probably go on and on about. That. I have notes that I didn't even touch on. <laughs> I, I am presently sitting in my May cosplay. That's how much I love this thing. Yeah, this, this. I mean, it's a mural in in the studio to Totoro. We have Totoro plush everywhere, and that's and that's the effect this movie had on everybody. Not just Western audiences, Eastern audiences. They they've adopted and adore this story. It's their Mickey Mouse, right? Like more than that, like they revere, like a lot of Westerners here, we we think of Mickey Mouse and we think of consumerism and Disneyland and bullshit. Over there, Totoro's revered. He's like a fucking commie. Like you, you put some respect on Totoro. Like <laughs> it's just, and it's really cool to experience so that. Would be more famous, Totoro or Pikachu? Pikachu is more famous. Totoro is more loved. Because Pikachu's made it, Pikachu left Japan. Pikachu belongs to the fucking world now, right? Pokemon's fucking everywhere. But Totoro is revered. Totoro's uh, obviously a thousand times better character, but Totoro is more beloved. Like everybody knows Pokemon, you may love or hate it. The people that know Totoro, it's a higher bar. Like those people fear that character so i'd say totoro is more loved but pikachu is more known I, I think we can say that on top of that is as much as you see my neighbor totoro this story really is not really much about totoro as much as it is about the girls that is a thousand percent true yeah she's uh, totoro doesn't even make an appearance for the first 40 minutes of this damn movie 
And to the point where it felt like, you know how we talk, we talk about the term exposition, right? Where we get huge information dumps. They didn't do no exposition in this movie. No, none. No, no you're just sucked into that world and you're experiencing and, it the way they are. And like pre-war Japan, two girls. None of that. None of that. There mm-hmm. is just straight girls are driving the countryside and hiding from the cops. Yeah, hiding from the cops. I didn't understand that one. That one because they were one. they were in the bed of the truck without seatbelts on, man. I mean, well, admittedly, it's the fifties. Seatbelts didn't exist, but maybe they're just not allowed to ride in the bed of the truck. I don't know. That's kind of the way I interpreted it, but it's I know that's a very Western thing. You know, it's like oh, they they're not allowed in the bed of the pickup. They're hiding from the cop. So so <laughs> you see so much. I, I, I think what the one the one complaint that I have about it is that they had spent so much time world building, you know, that when it finally got to conflict, the conflict had to be resolved quicker than I would have liked, you know, especially in regards to them having to go to Totoro and Totoro having to be the one to help save May. And even then, Totoro wasn't the one to save May with the cat bus. Uh, Totoro called them a cat Uber and was like, Mm-hmm. Get your sister. <laughs> it was. So it felt like they said, "Oh, we've done so much world building. Oh shit, we still have a story. We gotta have conflict. Shit." <laughs> yeah, quickly... I... and apparently, cat buses have built-in uh, May GPSs, May positional uh, positioning systems. I I think that that's. I agree with you, Brian. It, it is resolved too quickly, and without any real interaction or interference from from Totoro, but. I think at the same time, that's a point, right? Because it's not his story, right? It's it's May and Satsuki's. It's about their relationship. So him him being the deus ex machina that could have came in and, and fixed it all would have diminished their sort of slice of life moments. I mean, I, I'm, he did ultimately help, like summoning her an Uber. But if he would have just been like, I'm apart the trees and bring, you know, like it's there's, there's so much so much they could have done with it, but by not doing it, they made the smarter choice of keeping the story smaller. You know, that's sort of how I interpreted it. Here's the reason why I bring that up. All right. Whenever you deal with some type of uh, imaginary um, character, right, they somehow show you the real world effects of that person, of what truly transpired, you know, during during this action, so what you saw you saw a big ass giant. No, you didn't. You actually went over there and subconsciously you went and you took all the acorns over there. You know, they saw that one time in 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 Totoro, and that's when they're looking for May. The first time, uh, Satchmo gets home from school. Yeah, and they they like go through the shrubbery in the forest. All right, so. That one time they show that, but when we're talking about at the end of the movie, no, they didn't. They they let you completely believe in the fantasy of of the cat bus bringing her to May. So there's there's a build up to that, right? You, you're right in that when May finds Tozer for the first time, it can very easily be dismissed as imagination, like she imagined it. Right. She wakes up in the brush. But then a little later on, a little bit later on, in the, there's the tree growing scene where they plant the seeds that they got from Totoro 
and then overnight they wake up they go out and then they will the trees to life it becomes this giant camphor tree and then they you know they go out and they ride the top and have a great time and then they wake up the next morning and there's no giant camphor tree but the trees did sprout there's now sprouts in the ground and it's this great thing where where satsuki's like it was all a dream and then may's like but it wasn't a dream and she's like but it was all a dream but it wasn't a dream because it was both right? it, it, it was a dream but there were real world effects in their dream you know, this, it was a barren field the next day they had little sprouts so that was sort of the hint of like this can have an effect i don't know if it was a like you can have an effect if you believe kind of i believe in fairies thing but it definitely like progressed right because by the end they legit rode a fucking cat bus and dropped off some corn. Like, there's no question about it. So I think it's, I think you're joining them on this journey to believing in this creature. Or am I two cents on that? That's interesting. I mean, it also, you know, Totoro did steal an umbrella. The umbrella didn't just disappear on its own. Man, it was for his ASMR content, all right? He appreciates the gift. <laughs> <laughs> like, follow, and subscribe. Like, follow, and subscribe. <laughs> So we we're we're getting we're getting into it here. Uh, we should wrap this up as much as I could continue to talk about Totoro. Uh, we we do need to wrap it up. So, uh, Lynette, um, actually, you know what? Before we wrap up, before we sorry, Lynette, I want to know how did you guys watch it? Did you watch the the subtitle, the streamlined dub, or the Disney dub? I watched the most recent Blu-ray uh, subtitle. I did the subtitle as well. And Brian, watched- you watched it dubbed, right? Uh, well, I watched it on HBO Max, so I think it was the most recent. You watched the Disney dub. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. cool. No, it's it's very interesting. So I watched uh, Andre and I watched the uh, the ninth, the earlier dub, the streamlined dub. It was kind of cool. I just kind of wanted to see how everybody had approached it, and it's great, and it's a testament to this film and every version of this film. We all got the same experience out of it. So I think that's that's just an interesting. I just just curious. Uh, so Lynette. By all means, take us out of the gate here in our in our final thoughts segment. Uh, what do you think of My Neighbor Totoro? I loved it. Um, I'm with Brian. This is the first time I've seen it. Uh, I've seen trailers for it. Of course, if you go to any convention, you're going to see the plushies. You're going to see the figures. You're going to um, you're going to see the pillows. I think one of my friends nearly screamed when they saw the Totoro body pillows. If you could get you right, yeah. Like yeah. I'm sitting there going. I know this character, but why are you freaking out about it? Like, she had grabbed it. Like, like she had grabbed the show pillow and almost didn't give it back to the... <laughs> like, the lady had to do, like, a hostage negotiation. You know, like, here, you can have this pillow. I need the display one back. <laughs> I thought it was the most adorable thing to see. So she's just like, ah! And just walking around. Um, and then finally watching it, I got to enjoy, I, I got to see why she had like a little freak out about Totoro because I'm telling you the raindrop scene, I was like, he is my favorite. I'm going to rewind that and I could watch that, just that scene over and over again. But, uh, I did enjoy the world building. Like I didn't know that you had to first add water to the water pump before you can pump water out of the oh, water no. pump. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, one, two. <laughs> you know, so I was like, yeah, I, I have to pull out the golden boy. I was like, so educational. You're just pulling all this stuff. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. 
that to me, I was gonna say, if you haven't watched it, watch it. Uh, it doesn't matter what version you watch it in; you just gotta watch it. Just don't watch Grave of the Fireflies after. For the love or of before. God, it needs to be four <laughs> or in the same week. <laughs> just you know, That's a special occasion film. Special occasion. What uh, three months to do that? <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, Vic, uh, why don't you go ahead and, and tell us your thoughts on My Neighbor Totoro. Okay, so I actually didn't watch it throughout the 90s. And I didn't watch it throughout the early 2000s either. It wasn't until I took my first trip to Japan when I went to the uh, Ghibli Museum. And I saw the cat bus short. And I was like, okay, I suppose I should actually watch this when I get back. Which I did. And I was like, okay, yeah, it's cute and adorable. And definitely, definitely should be watched right after Grave of the Fireflies. Absolutely. But what's nice about it is that it's just, it's something you could just just relax and watch and just enjoy the fantasy aspect of it. You know, it's just, it's just so soothing to watch. It's like, it's it's like a feel good movie overall. It's like a morning cup of coffee. Yeah. (laughs) I I get it. A great little cafecito first thing in the morning. Perfect. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Brian, go ahead, buddy. Talk to me about Totoro. I have multiple things I need to say about this. So the first thing I need to talk about is mm, Grandma's Bloomers. (laughs) Let's not. Please. The second thing I need to say about it is that I watched it today. Uh, today was the day I was watching it, and it was blessed because of the fact that um, my son had came to visit me from Virginia, and it was a surprise. So I was sitting in uh, my bedroom watching it, and he walked in, and he was just telling something to me. He looked at me, he says, oh, you're watching Totoro? And I was like, yeah. He said, As a, have you seen it before? He said, yeah, I've seen all of Studio Ghibli. Oh, snap. Man, I got to tell you, as a father, you know, I have watched a lot of anime. And one of the things that you said in the very beginning, Rick, was that this is a completely different um, tone from most of the things that we have watched. And I fell in love with this tone. It's I didn't know how much I needed it. And not just that, I didn't know how much. I wish I had had it in my life so I could have showed it to my kids and showed it to them. So I'm not just saying that we need to watch it. I'm saying that this is something that you need to expose your children to as well. Um, The final thing I was going to say about it is that uh, we, we don't, we don't accept cultures the way we should uh, in, in the world. And if you allow yourself to not try to make this what you want it to be, but to just accept it for what you're currently looking at, it's a much better experience, you know. It's easy to get hung up on the on the on the father bathing with the daughters. You could easily have made the argument for that. But the Yeah, and it could have been days of Twitter outrage, like without right. a doubt. But there's something that's there in terms of the love and, and, and just the care that he had for his daughters. 
man, just imagine the women that they grew up to be, if you just take it from there. The positive examples of manhood that they were surrounded by. You know, he wasn't too proud. He wasn't, he, he cared for his wife. He cared for them. Uh, he did the hard things. There are so many lessons of manhood that the father, that we really should give him some credit for. And I, I applaud, I applaud him for that. And I can honestly say that just from what I'm seeing now, I cannot wait to watch more Ghibli. And I can see myself watching Ghibli with the same vigor that I did Golden Boy or Gunbuster or, or Super Dimension or Fortress Macross. They've earned my respect. I just had to point that out. I I love I love that take. Uh, that's it's an excellent way to to describe this and, and talk. It just, that was beautiful. Uh, mine's gonna suck. So let's go to Andrea. Andrea, you have to follow that. Who wants to follow that? So Andrea, by okay, all means, I'm glad uh, I went first. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Okay, right. Final. That was fucking beautiful, Brian. Um, Andrea, final thoughts. Okay. Totoro. All right. Well, you know, I, I'll follow that. It's fine. Um. You know what? I'll, I'll jump onto that. So I grew up with the film because I had a wonderful older brother, <laughs> Rick, <laughs> who went ahead and showed me all these wonderful Ghibli films. And of course, my neighbor thought that it was one of them. So I watched it growing up and it obviously shaped my life very much. Everything I have is Ghibli and, and all that fun stuff. But my neighbor thought that specifically, I, I adored May growing up because, I mean, I, I you know, I... I was her. Related, yeah, related, related to her. I was her. <laughs> I always wanted to follow my big sibling. I wanted to do all that. And I, you know, absent-minded, spatial awareness, non-existent, would get lost very easily. So, so fun. Um, but growing up, I always constantly rewatched that film because it's like you said, Brian, it has a lot of good lessons in it. One of the things is you can get caught up on the fact that the father is taking a bath with the girls. But one of the great things in that scene in particular is when they're scared and they're sitting there because of the storm and the and the dust bunnies and like all this stuff, the dad just randomly starts laughing really loud. When they look at him like, dad, what the fuck are you doing? He's just like, well, if we laugh, then the spirits will go away. So do you want to stay in like a haunted house or do you want to laugh and make the spirits go away? And they all just started laughing and he was, you know, making the tub a mess and like all this stuff. And as they're laughing, all the soot spirits leave. And that in and of itself is a good lesson of like when you're scared, when things are really bad, you could either sit there and be scared and live in that negativity or you could just laugh, just make a joke, just try and find the good part. Stop looking at the scary storm and just realize, oh, my God, this is the first time. You know, I'm taking a bath in my new house and this is my new house and it's a new adventure. Oh my God, this is going to be great. And you kind of do that. So I never thought that oh, that's what it reminded me a lot of is like, this story is not a good, happy story in a sense of like their mom is in the hospital. It's a lot of hardships. The dad's overworked to the point that, you know, Satsuke has to basically take over the responsibilities of cooking, making lunch, taking care of her little sister, like all these regular heartaches and, and chores or errands or whatever that we all deal with. But at the same time, it's mystical and it's happy and they have a good dynamic and, you know, they have the neighborhood and all that stuff. It's, it's nice to see that it's, at the base of it, just a regular everyday story, but happy because they choose to be happy. They pass on the lesson. That's what I love about it. Damn, it's man. a great film, bro. That's it's really a great good. 
uh, I just had to make sure people understand that the whole laughing for fear is a wonderful emotion to do that for. Uh, if you're aroused, maybe laughing's not the best thing. Uh, Definitely, yeah. You don't want to associate those two. Not, yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't know. I'm pretty sure they didn't cover that in Totoro. So no. this is your neighborhood Brian telling you. Uh, it's fatherly advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if if you're aroused and you're with somebody, don't yeah. laugh at them. Laughing is the worst possible time. Yeah, <laughs> worst I, agree. Uh, I do want to say uh, before I get into it, Satsuki is is fucking awesome. She's ten years old and she was taking care of that house. She had taken on the responsibility of what it was to be the mom, right? She was cooking all the meals. She was getting dad ready to go to work. She was getting May ready for the day. She was fucking cooking meals. I can't get my nine-year-old son to make a goddamn sandwich. And she was cooking rice and, like, making bentos. And I wanted one really badly. Fucking, mm -hmm. She's amazing. Uh, love that girl. Like, excellent character. Like, everybody in this is. So, dive in right from there is that Every character is great in this. Every character is relatable in their own right. Even Kanta, the neighborhood boy, who's got a crush on Satsuki, and and he's but he's afraid of the house at the same time, and he's intimidated by girls because he's never had any around him. And you can see that he's uncomfortable just being in their presence because he doesn't know what to do. Priority. He 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 did not know how, he did not read her, their terms and conditions, so he wasn't gonna fuck with them. I agree with you, <laughs> but he's also so great and endearing, and you know he gives up his umbrella because he's been raised right, and he's a gentleman. And, and the way he rides that giant fucking bicycle <laughs> when he's trying to go <laughs> meet up with Sasuke <laughs> sideways in this damn bicycle, but he's dedicated to doing the job because he's trying to help every character. Every character is lives in this world. Every one of them is so well written and so thought out. It's it, it's such an inviting world. And it, to piggyback off of what Vic said, it is. It's like a it's like a warm, inviting feeling to revisit this anime every time I watch it. And I've watched it a lot, and and it, it I never get tired of it. I I always at the end of this movie, you don't get a sense of huzzah, or you don't get a sense of dread. You get a sense of Ah. Like a, just a nice soothing exhale. Like you just did meditation for an hour. I don't know how to describe the warmth that this movie gives me. And I like you just had a warm hug. Right. That's this movie's a warm fucking hug. And everybody should get a nice warm hug. And 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 if you haven't seen it when you got this far in the podcast, you should have stopped it and went to go watch it ages ago. But it belongs in the top tens. It belongs uh, at the top of the game for animation. Even, and I have a note as I wrote it down because I thought that was so baller. Even fucking Akira Kurosawa lists My Neighbor Totoro as one of his top favorite movies. You can get a badass like Kurosawa to be like, this movie right here. I love this movie. <laughs> and it's a story about two girls and their imaginary. For Like, come on. That's a testament to the power of this movie. I don't... I'm re I'm uh I'm reaching into the future, and I know that Andrea is going to be censoring a lot of this because you know that's what she does, yeah. and all I can hear is, 
warm <laughs> hug. Everyone needs a warm hug. It's only for the YouTube video. Uh, it a hard work of such a small team of people to turn out a piece Eight of people. work. <laughs> Eight turn, people turn out a piece of work that is so good that it rivals. I don't give a name a Disney movie. Take your pick. Sorry, this rivals it. Fuck that. Uh, you're considering them. that Totoro was in Toy Story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little cross cross you know, promotion there. <laughs> this rivals all of them. It may not rival them all for emotional roller coasters or anything, but it, it rivals them for the comfort and joy that it brings you. I would go so far as to say that against other anime, like for the amount of people that it took to write this, meanwhile, how many motherfuckers butchered Burn Up? <laughs> you some of bitches. You tell the difference between. Martin, I think you mean three by three eyes. <laughs> three by three eyes, or or or, or fucking cool devices. I mean, uh. <laughs> eight people. This is the samurai of anime. I love it. Oh man! This... All right, I, I I love it. All right, so just two two more fun little mindless midlife musings. The the streamline dub version that I watched. Uses a lot of the same voice actors that Streamline uses, you know, throughout their history. So, uh, but one of the fun ones that I that was interesting to me is that the character May in the Streamline dub is played by uh, Cheryl Chase, who a uh, little younger uh, anime nerds will know as an- the voice of Angela Pickles from Rugrats. I thought was a fun. Are you serious? Yeah. So if you take a couple minutes to go enjoy the Streamline dub version. You, you'll hear Angela Pickles is May, and and Scott Bernard of Robotech fame plays the dad, Greg Snegoff. Oh, that's why her voice sounds so familiar. I yeah. just thought it was because you know I grew up with her, so yeah, yeah of course I. She always said, it. <laughs> "No, it's Angelica Pickles." Uh-huh. Makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah, you super grew up with her. Super <laughs> grew up with her. <laughs> can, can I? Amusing for me too. Uh, yeah, we're talking about voices. Uh, the Disney voice is Dakota Fanning and Elle Fanning. Yeah, two mm-hmm. genuine sisters, uh, which I love that they brought that dynamic in. And not just that, I love the maturity of the voice. Like Dakota Fanning, her voice has always been so mature. Like mm-hmm. uh, from uh, Man on Fire, she yeah. has such command. Like it's almost the same level of, res- I say even more than like uh, a Kristen Dunst in a, an interview with the Vampire. Right, right. Yes. You know, I don't know who or, or, or what Sesame Street that girl was watching, but goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> we need to make sure everybody's watching that Sesame Street. And the dad in, in that dub is Tim Daly, voice of animated Superman from all the uh, Warner Bros. cartoons. And so... he's so super. <laughs> so there you go. Su- Superman played a super dad. Um, <laughs> so I guess that's gonna... since, since you did that, since you brought him up, we got to give a shout out to Kevin Conroy. Oh yeah, no, it, it, uh, Kevin Conroy. He passed a, a couple weeks ago before we recorded this. We never really got a chance to to talk about it. 
uh, I don't even know what to say about it other than fuck. Just, just say that we have been surrounded by some titans of voices we will never forget. We hear them all the time. And he is definitely one of those. Yes. Damn, I'm on fire today. He brought it, see? That's it. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, folks, thank you. I really appreciate y'all listening. Uh, this is going to do it for our show this week. So until next time, be calm and enjoy uh, the warm hug of my neighbor, Tothro. Warm hug? Warm hugs. Warm hug. I'm Rick, and I like warm hugs. <laughs> Bloomers. No. <laughs> no bloomers. You've just been privy to the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd presented by Geek Grotto. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Geek Grotto. For show notes and corrections or for general geeky fun, you can visit our website at geek-grotto.com. If you would like to sponsor the show, you can do so on the podcast's Red Circle host site, redcircle.com slash shows slash M-M-M-A-N. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, please like, follow, and subscribe.